Welcome to the Social Fishing Podcast. My name is Reese Creed. I'm a passionate angler and I want to share as much as I can about the sport we all love. On this podcast, we speak to incredible anglers, sharing a wealth of priceless knowledge, all to help you reach your fishing dreams. Thanks for joining us today. Now let's begin. Welcome to episode 31 of the Social Fishing Podcast, guys. It's good to be back. We did miss a week, but that was all due to that premiere video that we released. If you follow us, if you listen to the podcast, if you're on our email list, if you follow us on Facebook, you would have seen that we had a premiere video last Wednesday night. Um, and the reason we didn't have an episode of the podcast then is because we were busy prepping that video, but now we are back in action with the podcast. So I do want to apologize for missing last week's episode. And for for those of you who did tune into the premiere video and watched it, um, I do firstly want to apologize for the fact that the website crashed. Uh, this It was just a crazy how many people, how many of you guys jumped on at 7.30 and I had no idea that the website wouldn't handle that many people and it crashed. But we worked really hard um, and I managed to get it all upgraded within an hour and we ended up going again at 8.30. But I know a lot of you didn't tune in at 8.30 but we ran it for another couple of days uh, to give everyone the opportunity of checking out the premiere video. Uh, so I do want to thank everyone. If you're a podcast listener, I do want to thank you for jumping in and watching the premiere video. Uh, I want to thank everyone for their awesome comments and thoughts and, and just the feedback on that video and I hope you guys learnt a lot from it. Um, we really enjoyed sitting down and doing it. It was really, really good fun and you know, for 45, 50 minutes, we just covered heaps of tips. We got some great feedback on the diagrams that we, we put together, um, which a lot of you guys really, really liked and even if it was only one thing that you picked up, there seemed to be a great positive attitude around the premiere video. So guys, I really appreciate you tuning in and I hope it was worthwhile while that one hour of your time and once again I just I want to apologize for the crash of the website obviously we, we did our best and I did my best to get it ready for the night and just things don't go right as they don't go to plan but hopefully over the next couple of days you actually got a chance to sit down and watch it um, so thanks heaps for your support for that and obviously now we're back into another podcast episode and we're going to continue interviewing some of the greatest anglers freshwater anglers around the country we've got a few trout anglers coming up because we've had a lot of cod of late uh, and we're going to introduce a bit of trout stuff and obviously now with the virus that's coming through now is a, there's no better time now to, to interview as many anglers as I can talk fishing so that you guys can get your fishing fix from the podcast rather than being on the water I'm going to share heaps of content and hopefully you can you know build on that learn some things and test it out hopefully come spring you know I hope we get to get out and fish at the end of winter but it, we may not I know that at least half of winter is probably going to be in lockdown now with I know um, New South Wales waterways the big impoundments that are run by water New South Wales they're all closed as of the time of recording this podcast and I know Victorian parks boat ramps and all that are closed and i imagine the waterways there are as well so pretty much guys just stay inside um I've even been following Starlo quite a bit and he's really, really vocal about everyone. Just stay home, um, you know, learn in these digital platforms, this podcast, perfect thing to listen to, but just stay home, you know, 
do your tackle prep. Um, I know we're all going to go crazy, uh, but there, you still can involve yourself in fishing. We've got heaps of articles on the website. Go browse them. Jump on and check out our free freshwater mini series if you haven't already. If you haven't had time to go watch it, sign up to a free account. Give it a look. Um, learn as much as you can. And listen, we've got 31 episodes of the podcast, so just go back through all these podcast episodes and learn as much as you can. But just yeah, stay away from the waterways, which is really, really big shame. It's, it's a bit hard to say it. Um, unless you have private property or you live on a waterway, um, and there's no one around, then obviously, you know, self-isolation, that's totally fine. But any popular waterways, I would steer clear of. Um, so guys, yeah, again, apologies for the issue with the premiere. If you watched the premiere, I really hope you liked it. And now we're back into our podcast episodes and I can't wait for you to hear this one. I have got the legend himself, Jacko Davis. If you know who Jacko is, I don't need to introduce him at all. And if you don't know who he is, you're going to find out all about him and why he's such an awesome bloke. Loves his fishing, loves his pies, as we all know. And yes, I do ask him about his awesome pie reviews. And he's just down-to-earth Aussie bloke. And he just he really enjoyed sharing information because he himself listens to the podcast and he gets things from what other anglers say. So in this episode, all he wanted to do was share some info and hopefully you guys can learn from, from Jacko as well. So he's a really top bloke and it was an awesome chat. We covered quite a few things. Obviously, I talked about you know his past, his history, how he grew up with fishing. Um, he's involved with the AYC tournaments. So we got a little bit of a look into those tournaments. Um, and he sort of talked about a few things that people don't know about the AYC tournament. So it's really interesting to hear what he has to say about them. Um, Jacko is really good, really good with photography and videography. So I had a bit of a chat with him about the gear that he uses. And for those of you who are interested more in taking good photos and videos of cod or freshwater fish or whatever you do, um, Jacko shares a few things, so it's really interesting uh, to hear what he says. Then we go into Murray Cod, obviously, because that's one of Jacko's favourite fish to target. And um, we talked about a few waterways that he fishes, his favourite way to chase cod. We talked about the strike and setting the hook and the things, few things like that. Summer and winter chasing cod, some of his favourite lures for chasing cod. And obviously, I talked about his PB, his lesson that he lives by in life, and where to for Jacko. Now, there's one other thing as well that we talked about, which was sounders. Now, Jacko and I, I think we went on for probably the majority of this podcast. It was the topic we talked about the most, which was sounders, especially live scope. So he's had a bit of experience with the new live scope and if you don't know what it is it's it's basically an old traditional sonar prints the picture and it's and it's old history what what it shows on the screen is old live scope is showing what's happening real time live so we get more into depth on that i won't talk about it now i'll let jacko talk about it but yeah he talks a lot about using live scope to target big fish and he tells me a story of a fish he caught i think it was only you know four or five weeks ago a really big fish they caught and yeah it's a really cool story so make sure you listen to that it's an awesome episode guys um i talked to jacko for quite some time he is a top bloke as i said so we're going to jump into the episode now before we do as always make sure you like leave a comment jump on all the podcast apps review and let us know what you want now a few of you guys over probably the last month and a half has submitted listener questions. Now, we haven't done an episode with listener questions for a few weeks now. And the next episode, I want to let you all know, if you have a listener question, we'll be covering them off in the next episode. So the next episode will either be by myself, I'll be chatting uh, because we have quite a few listener questions. So a lot of the episode will be about that or I'll do it with Talos. Uh, but in the next episode, if you have a listener question, we will answer it then for you. Thanks 
Thanks for sending them all through as always, guys. And if you don't know what the listener questions are, jump onto the Social Fishing website, sign up to a free account. It's totally free. You get access to the free Freshwater Mini Series and you will also get access uh, to the submit listener questions. That's enough from me, guys. Um, won't talk to you too much longer. That's a fairly long intro and I know you guys are keen to hear what Jacko has to say. So without further ado, we're going to talk to the legend himself, Jacko Davis. G'day guys and welcome back to another episode of the Social Fishing Podcast. I have a very special guest, Jacko Davis. Mate, thank you very much for joining me on one of the episodes. Thanks, Reese. I'm really looking forward to it. I've listened to plenty of the podcasts you've done so far. I've only I've just got to catch up to a couple of them. They're, they're really good, plenty of information in them and I'm sure the other guys that listen to them get a lot out of them like I do. Yeah, yeah, and no, so so you you quite enjoy. Uh, do you enjoy the fact that you can sit and listen to them? Like, is that what you like about the podcast? Yeah, it's just there's good information there. You can relate to all the people that you've had on so far, even just ones by yourself where you're uh, just recapping a uh, fishing session or whatnot. I think you get a bit out of them. It always gets me pumped up. I normally listen to them when I'm on my way out for a fishing trip. So normally yeah. just be pretty keen to get on the water. Yeah, cool. So. So do you say, because you know, like you know how to fish, right? Like you know as much as anyone else, but do you still get something out of every single episode that you listen to? And that, like, I mean, not just the inspiration and the genius, but like, do you also learn something from them, even though you know so much? Oh yeah, 100%. I I definitely wouldn't say I know a lot. There's, you can always learn more and just listen. Like the best thing you can do, I reckon, is get, get on the water with other people. Uh, you always learn um, from other people. And if you can't do that, the be- the next best way is to listen to what other people have got to say. And having uh, the guests that you have on this podcast, you can definitely pick up a lot of a lot of cool things just from what they've got to say. Yeah, cool. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Well, I'm really glad to have you on. I'm excited. But mate, I'm going to hit you with the question that everyone wants to know. Like straight up, first of all, tell us about your famous pie reviews. How'd it start, mate? That's I know everyone who's keen to hear you talk is just want to listen to your pie reviews. There's other stuff they want to hear you talk about too. But tell me about the pie reviews, mate. <laughs> um, well, yeah, the pie reviews sort of. I know I'm just quite partial to the pies and. It's sort of just become a bit of a thing that whenever I was on the road, I'm on the road a fair bit out fishing, I'd always stop in and get a pie. And then I started just, I don't know, putting them on Instagram stories and whatnot. And so a lot of the, a lot of the guys started getting around and said, you, you should start doing pie reviews. You're on the road so much. Yeah. Um, you're always traveling past bakeries and whatnot. And I thought, bugger it, I may as well. Last year, mid last year, I just sort of, I'd have a crack at it and. <laughs> started doing a few reviews and yeah everyone seems to get around them it's a bit of a laugh and sort of it makes is. the trip a bit interesting <laughs> yeah it's good it's a good lead into a trip but i noticed this week a couple of boys did their own like did some reviews on your bit of inspiration from your reviews and it's become a chain thing now yeah it's good to see all the boys get around it i'm always getting uh, messages on instagram and facebook and whatnot um just people doing their own pie reviews and stuff i reckon it's quite good pretty funny yeah. Bit of, bit of fun in the fishing, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Something different. Lighten up yeah. the mood. Yeah, that's right. Well, keep them up because they're, they're good. They're really good to listen to. And, the, and I, get, I bet the bakeries love you um, when you travel around because I'm sure some people <laughs> go to those places after your reviews or not, depending on how good the pies yeah. are. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've rinsed a few places and they haven't been too happy with me, but 
most of the guys that I've given a good review to, they've uh, they've got in contact with me and said the next pie's on them. So nice, <laughs> it's not bad, yeah, but nice. Yeah, yeah, I've had to I've had to um, ease up a bit this year so far. I've need to go on a bit of a diet. I'll probably start getting back into it once I lose a few kilos. I'll definitely <laughs> That's the only there. thing, eh? You can get for <laughs> you know you get sponsorship and stuff with free lures, but you can only have so many you know pies on the house. Can't you know, before it affects your figure. Yeah, that's it. I think twenty twenty might be might end up doing salad reviews. <laughs> salad reviews. That's not Aussie. But then again, <laughs> nah, yeah, not not at all. Stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, mate. No, they're awesome. They're awesome. And uh, just had to ask a question. So, mate, tell me about yourself, where you grew up, how fishing started for you, why you love it so much, why you're addicted to it. Um, probably a pretty cliche answer with uh, everyone, but just the challenge of, the, of fishing, that's what gets me in. It's never easy, especially freshwater fishing and Murray Cod in particular. There's, it's a massive challenge. Um, I got into it. Oh, I've sort of fished from whenever I, like as young as I can remember. Used to go out with the old man a fair bit and that sort of just spiralled into uh, into my teenage years chasing carp down the river and then one thing led to another, From went from carp to trout and then cod and sort of just always been on the cod from there, yellow belly thrown in and a bit of what, bit of everything else. But yeah, yeah sort of got that addiction for cod at oh, mid-teens and... Yeah, that's just been a proper addiction ever since then. Yeah. Are you, where are you based, mate? I'm in Bathurst, so. Yeah. Grew yeah. up there? Grew up in Bathurst, and then I moved away uh, when I was 19. Went up to Newcastle for five years and did um, an environmental science degree up there at uni. And yep. I moved back to Bathurst about two years ago, so I've been back for a couple of years now. Yeah, right, okay. And you come back for family or for better fishing? Uh, I always wanted to come back because I've got the family here, but one, yep. probably yeah, probably the hardest thing about, I love Newcastle and the party and whatnot, but <laughs> that, that was kind of, yeah, it was kind of hard. It was easy to get on the beers on the weekend and go cod fishing, so I really wanted to come back home and just having the access to, to some pretty good water within sort of an hour and a, hour and a half made it a lot easier to get out on the water and plus having the family back here as well also helps. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, tell me about Bathurst. How many? What's the population of Bathurst? Uh, she's about forty-five at the moment, I think. So she's decent size. So do you yeah. reckon that affects the fishing in the area, like pressure-wise, or it it doesn't seem to bother them if you know where you're going? Um, yeah, there's yeah, kind of if you know where you're going, uh, it's kind of alright. But also the uh, we've got Windermere, which is only like a bit over an hour away, so that's pretty premier probably the premier yellowbelly fishery so that place does get hammered uh every year doesn't matter where that would be it always get hard but if you know how to fish there and and the other dams like Wayangla and burundong um they they don't get that much pressure like like you've got places like blaring down where you are and coped and they're sort of more more famous for their cod fishing than than what our impoundments like Wayangla and burundong are for yeah. uh, so i find that like the bulk of the population coming out of Say Sydney, where 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 a lot of people come from, they sort of go to those locations where all the attention is on social media, like Copeton and Waring. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. While you're on the topic of windy, like I know we're jumping straight in, but I just had a thought. Why do you think that that place fishes so well? even after the pressure. So, so for example, let, let, let's look at like Copeton. You know what happened there. If you go back before it become massive, like I knew blokes who went up there um, before everyone knew about it, about two or three years before, and they'd get 30 or 40 fish for three days, like ridiculous amount of fish. And 
it copped all this pressure, all this top water, and now it's a different waterway. Like, it really is. Blaring's the same thing. Like, before the plastic started to get throwing it around, you could go up and you would get five hits from a morning session. Now you're lucky to get one. And it's because they've seen the lures, right? They've become more intelligent. Do you think it's because they're golden perch? Like, but do you, what do you think it is with Windermere? Because you can go there and they fire every year and people still get masses of fish and it cops it. Like, it's only a small waterway and it cops it. Do you, do you have any idea as to why... It fishes so well every season, no matter the pressure. Is it because people are coming up with new techniques or do you reckon it's because they're a golden perch or do you reckon it's just something to do with those fish in that waterway? Uh, well, yeah, scientifically, I couldn't give you an answer. Um, yeah, yeah, obviously. But I think I think definitely I reckon cod are a smarter fish than yellow bellies. So I'll start there. I think like there is, there's just so many fish in there. There's so many golden perch of, of really good size. You know, two years ago... Out there at Windermere, we had um, a, the water went really clear over spring, like it was ridiculously clear. You could see down like five meters, and I remember just yeah. cruising around the banks, and the amount of golden perch that we could just see, just Polaroid, was just phenomenal. I just couldn't believe how many fish were actually in there. Yeah. Um, but I think yeah, different techniques each each couple of seasons. There seems to be a different technique that really shines there. Like it started way back in the nineties with. Uh, hard bodies like the deception shrimps and stuff like that like early like early pioneers out there that sort of started the Windermere classic and whatnot that's how they were fishing all from the bank and then it sort of evolved into when the jackal tn60s come out and they were massive yep. for many many years then it sort of went into the sort of like the zx40 blade sort of phase and mm -hmm. that was probably oh that's going back into the 2010s i reckon Yep. Um, and then the last couple of years has sort of been a massive emphasis on fishing soft vibes there and there seems to be the most fish have been getting caught like those big fish days and big numbers have been fishing soft vibes so I, I think there's a definite trend there with uh, new lures coming out and, new, and learning new techniques on how to use those lures and they seem to be fooling the fish because I know maybe 15 years ago if you went out there and you rolled TN60s along, a, along an edge in spring You'd catch you'd catch twenty or thirty for the day, and there's absolutely yep. no way you can do that nowadays. But if you yep. went out and threw a soft vibe and, and shook a soft vibe along the bottom out there in spring, like we were having sort of thirty fish days all all through spring last season. So, I think yeah, just just new techniques and and new ways, yeah, new lures. Um, it's just fooling the fish, and I think they just take a couple of seasons to to know what's coming, and then by then the next thing's out. Yeah, right. So you think it it's just a mix of all three. It's the new technique, but plus they're not as intelligent as a cod. Um and there's so many in there, like ridiculous amounts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a combination of the three, you know. And there's a lot of there's a lot of guys out there that really know how to target golden perch these days. But I oh know Windermere is different to everywhere. Like there just doesn't seem to be an edge bite like there is at Windermere, like every other empowerment I've ever fished and the fish just aren't the same quality, I don't know. Don't know why it is, but yeah, it's just a special place. Mm, very special, and it? and it's good because it's right on your doorstep. So you've got the premier goal, and and there's no competition. Oh, there is competition, but it's it has to be the premier golden perch fishery. Yeah, yeah, it's I think. Be. Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely impoundments that have fish that are just as big or even bigger. But the amount of fish in there that it's sort of fifty five or sixty centimeters is just ridiculous. Like it's it's uncommon to catch anything under fifty centimeters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. That's awesome. So, mate, just going back to how fishing started for you, you talked about carp at the start. So, 
carp was that one of those first fish that you caught and that you remember catching, right? So do you think that that's what got you into fishing? Do you think if carp weren't here, it might have been a different, you know, path for you in terms of your passion? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I reckon I I can remember going back early days when I used to like we used to have good a good trout fishery just in the Macquarie River that goes through town here, and I used to, I got early memories of me and the old man going down there and just sinking worms and and catching brown trout um, and rainbows as well, but mainly browns and that sort of that's my early days. And then yeah, where it really took off for me was probably sort of like I know when I was in. Just starting high school, year seven, year eight, me and one of my mates um, just started getting into it and we started going down the river and just catching carp and that's pretty much where we cut our teeth and learned, yeah. how, to, learned how to fight fish, learned how to yeah, like catch the fish basically and we, we just absolutely frothed it. We were down there all school holidays, we'd be down in the river and we'd just sink corn and bread and <laughs> catch these massive carp. We used to have a ball and yeah, it sort of just evolved from there. Yeah, see, I was going to say that happened, the exact same thing happened to me and I don't reckon I'd be this involved in fishing if it wasn't for carp. So, But then again, if the carp weren't here, we probably would have way stronger populations of cod. So, Yeah, that's true. You know, so, it's, yeah, it's interesting. I just thought I'd, I'd ask because, yeah, a lot of people start off with carp because they're such an awesome fish to learn on, like you said. Yeah, but, I, uh, that's definitely a good one for the young fellas that are try, they're starting to get into it. I think there's nothing wrong with catching carp a lot. Like, they're not the... They don't have the prestige of a of a native fish, but if you want to learn how to fight fish, they go like the clappers. So, going down <laughs> to the river and, and catching a few of those, is, yeah, it's it's definitely good fun and it's a good way to improve your angling skills as a young fella. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, mate. Um, I just want to touch on a little bit about uh, the AYC tournaments you're involved in, mate. How are you involved in them? How do they all work? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so Bruce Anderson. Um, he sort of owns AYC Fishing and he's uh, ran the tournaments for oh, over a decade now. Um, it sort of was, he started, he used to do bass tournaments and then got sick of the bass. So he went, started AYC, which yeah, is Australian Yellow Belly Championships. Yep. And it sort of just evolved from there. And I only, I only come on board last year was my first year, just helping out with the media side of things. Yep. Um, so I just, I just normally I go around take photos of, of people catching fish and, and video it and sort of just help run the Instagram and Facebook pages, YouTube and whatnot. So yeah, just sort of help out and try and um, add something to the at each event. You know, we're sort of trying to build it, trying to get more people involved. You know, this year we've got uh, more events. We're we're going into Flathead as well, but we've got uh, Yellowbelly and we are doing bass again this year. And then there's three cod classics and then yeah we've got i think five flathead rounds so trying to expand it and yeah just trying to get more people into the tournament sort of fishing it's a good way it's a great way to uh to meet new people out there and um yeah definitely improves your angling as well i i used to love uh doing tournaments back in the day I used to do a few brim ones and always used to fish the windermere classic out at windermere and it's just a good way to meet people and, and learn new things. And so that's what I mean. That, that they started as these yellow belly comps, and now they've really grown because it's not just yellow belly championships; it's a whole heap of species, which is really good to see. Um, and like you said, it is a really good place to meet like-minded people. And what's the whole vibe in the comp? Like, is it really? 
Because you know how you got some comps that uh, I've fished in some where it's really different and, and people, they're not happy to share anything or talk. But I imagine this is totally different. I imagine everyone's – obviously, there's a point where you want to win the comp, but there's also heaps that goes on in terms of sharing, yeah? Yeah, that's what uh, Bruce always says. He always says that's why he left the bass and went to the yellow, yellows because the bass guys didn't want to share anything. But uh, the yellow guys are happy to, to share everything. They're more, uh, as he says, they're more bushy out westy type of blokes and everyone's there just for a good time, you know. Catching catching the fish is, is good and everyone wants to win the comps, but I reckon if you went round and asked uh, everyone at the comp, they'd say they're more there just for the good time and have a few beers with all their mates and, and go on a camping trip and fishing the comps just a bit of a bonus. Yeah, nice. That and that's the go. So how does um how do they how many Roughly, how many are in each comp? Like, it'd all be different. And then, is it for anyone? Like, if someone wants to get involved, how do they get involved? Yeah, um, so oh, it sort of averages, you know, Windermere, like places like Windermere always get a lot more people go to them just because of the location. But it sort of ranges between the Yellow Belly rounds or anywhere, sort of, they're normally around 30 to 50 teams. Uh, the yep. COD, COD Classics normally have got at least 50, 50 teams. And then we sort of haven't we haven't started the flight yet. They don't start until the end of this month. So I'd expect a fair few people um, to go to them just because they're going to be held at locations with a high population of people. Like the first ones at Lake Macquarie. So obviously, being so close to Newcastle, there's a lot of people there that that are into fishing, and hopefully, hopefully they all come down to the event. But yeah, yeah. What was the other part of that question? Sorry, Rich. Um, I think that was it, mate. I think. Um yeah, no, I think that was it. That's a good amount. Oh, that's right. The question, sorry, mate. The question was, how do people get involved? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's not. It's for anyone. So there's no. You don't have to be a gun fisher or have to prove yourself or anything. If you want to come down and fish an event, you can just jump on the AYC fishing website and register. It's uh, all pretty easy. All the all the information's on there about the comps. Um, also, just jump on the Facebook page, AYC fishing tournaments, or the Instagram and. Yeah, we post all the all the information about upcoming events and and how to enter and everything like that on there. So, yeah, definitely. Yep. Um, if you want to, you want to get involved, jump in. You can you can get in contact with me or get in contact with Bruce and just go from there, I guess. Yeah, cool. So it's for anyone. So I could go with my old man. Anyone could go with their mate. It's anyone can go. Anyone can go. We want yeah, we want anyone to come. So you know, it's yeah. good to see that we've got a fair few young fellas bringing their old mans along and stuff this year. So. It's good to see them down, getting the old man back out fishing. He might not have been out for a while, and the young fellas are just starting to get right into it. So it's good to see that those types of teams at the event. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Mate, I just want to touch on your – I just want to say you take a cracking photo, like an absolute wicked photo. I want to ask you what camera gear do you use for your photography and videography? Uh, cheers, Reese. That's um, nice. <laughs> I use my main camera is a Sony A7 III. Yeah. Um, so it's you know it's it's a full frame camera. It's it's pretty good. Does the job, I guess. It's it's worth I don't know maybe I think they're two and a half grand, and then a lens on top of that's about a thousand. I just run a Tamron twenty eight to seventy five mil lens on that for most of my stuff. That's yeah two point eight aperture. Um, yeah, sort of. I sort of just started to get into the um, filming and, and the photography side of stuff just through being on board with Daiwa for a number of years now. Just sort of started a new passion there, I guess, through fishing as, as this photography and videography type of stuff. And, yeah, yeah I, I really love that. It's another aspect of fishing for me now is 
is taking the photos and, and the videos and whatnot. I don't mind putting a bit of YouTube stuff together. And yeah, it's it's a good it's a good little hobby to to have on the side. Yeah, yeah. And also, what is your YouTube channel for people who want to check out your videos? Ah, uh, it's just Jacko Davis, J A K K O. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, make sure you guys listen and go check out some of his content. It's it's wicked. So you shoot video and photo with that. The Sony's are pretty reasonably priced, hey, for the quality that they produce. Like, yeah, like the Sony's, I've noticed a lot of people are using them lately and they, they do a really schmick job. Um, yeah. And you can shoot a higher frame rate in video as well to get slow-mo. You can shoot 120 frames per second. Yeah, so the Sony, the Sony are good for both. You know, I know Canon. You sort of got to go spend a lot of money to get ridiculous. Yeah, if you ridiculous. want to shoot Canon, but Sony have sort of in that uh, mirrorless cameras these days. They've they've brought the price right down. And yeah, so with the like with my Sony, I normally run. You can you can uh, preset two settings on the camera, and you can just flick between them. And each time you flick between them, it goes back to you how you've set the camera up. So on one setting, I run um, 4K footage at uh, 50 frames. So it's, uh, yeah, the shutter rate, sorry, at 24 frames with uh, 50 shutter frame, uh, shutter, shutter. And then I run 200, uh, 120 frames, which is slow motion. So that what that basically means is um, you can, so you run your video back at 24 frames a second. If you take the video, if you shoot a video in 120, you can drop that by five times. And it yep. basically means you've got five times slow-mo. So you can get all your slow motion footage in that 120 20 frames a second. And then you can sort of, you can play with it a lot when, you, when you're shooting that. And um, yeah, the Sony cameras, a lot of the Sony cameras now are offering those types of specs. So I definitely, if anyone's looking to get into that type of stuff is um, jump on YouTube and, and watch a few videos on there just about different cameras and what frame rate, frame rates they can shoot in. Yeah. Um, if not, yeah, just you can ask me. Send me a message on Instagram or whatever. And yeah, it's, yeah. I know a lot of. I oh know it's good to see a lot of young blokes are really getting into it in, at the moment and producing some pretty cool stuff. So it's it's good to see. Good photography is good, eh? Like, and it doesn't need to be amazing, like ridiculously amazing. But even like a solid, nice photo, like more than just an iPhone photo, it makes a big difference. And it depends. If you're not interested in it, then fine. But if you love, if you want to build a following, you know, if you want to build an Instagram, Facebook following, taking a good picture helps, obviously. Um, yeah, 100%. Just touching on that thing, the 120 frames per second, it's 1080p, isn't it? It won't shoot 4K? Yeah, so you can't shoot that in 4K. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, on my camera, you can't. I don't know. There probably yeah. would be a camera out there that can, but that'd be, you'd be spending all your pennies on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for those of you guys who don't understand a whole heap of what we're just talking about, basically... 1080p is the standard video size that you guys will watch. So if anyone's keen to get into YouTube, get into videos, 1080p is your standard um, and you can shoot a lot of these better cameras will shoot slow-mo, which is your 120 frames per second at 1080p. You don't want to go any less. I've got a Canon and to do that in mine, I have to drop it to 720p and then your quality is just no good. So hopefully that sort of makes sense. But um, we'll move on from that and we'll talk a little bit about fishing, mate. Um, but that was, yeah, you do take a crack on photo and some awesome videos. So I just wanted to, to mention that. Mate, to Murray Cod, what draws you to them specifically? Why the icon? We know they're an icon um, and, and you're from the freshwater, like you're from the bush. So, you know, you'd be sort of drawn to that fish being around them. But what draws you to chasing Murray Cod 
can you can you get right in depth? Can you really nail something that you love about them? Ah, uh, well, I love everything about them. Um, the way I like to try and explain it to people that sort of don't understand, like when I go out for days and don't catch a fish, is there's no other fish that I I that I've ever targeted where if I go out on multiple occasions and don't catch anything, I'm still not upset, kind of thing. Yeah, it's yep. it yep. can it's only one fish can just make like make your life kind of thing like, like one meter one meter fish but if i went out say yellow belly fishing and i caught one yellow belly i'd be i'd think that was a pretty disappointing day on the water but i yep. just think with cod like and yeah you just need that one what like one fish can just change your day around and it's they're just yeah they're just a special fish the size of them they can get so big um the unknown you can catch them on so many different ways and just the difficulty, like I know a lot of blokes have got them, not a, well, not a lot of blokes, but there is some blokes that have got them really nutted out. I certainly don't. I still spend a lot of time on the water between fish and especially between good fish. But you know, when when you do get that that one fish, like when you get a fish over a meter, it's sort of you just I just can't can't explain the the feeling I get it's from hard, that. Eh? Yeah, it's it's hard to explain, but I yeah I don't experience anything like that. I've never experienced anything like that feeling, and yeah, once you once you sort of experience that, yeah, you're just always trying to chase that again. It's an addiction. It's a true addiction, eh? Yeah, it it is hundred percent. There's no killing it. Even if you might have a bit of a lull for a while or not go for a while, and you go back out and you get a like you get a good hit and you miss it, you're like, yeah, right. I'll be, I know I'm like fully dedicated again for a while. Like some people go in and out of it, but you still never really like those, you know, those people who love cod. Like we do, you still you just you'll never get enough. Yeah, I could I could just if I could just fish for them for the rest of my life and not not target another fish and I'd be happy. I just yeah, just completely obsessed with them. Another question for you: Do you think that you know how you go out and say you'll fish a lake? Say for example, Wyangle, and you'll go in succession, right over you know a three week period, four week period. If you have a break on targeting them for for like a month, do you reckon when you go back out, you've got to work them out again? Do you ever have that kind of a process when you stop fishing for them for a bit, you find it a struggle to sort of figure them out again? Do you reckon that happens? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, like I've, I've been struggling the last couple of months. You know, summer's always, always find summer a pretty tough time with fish for cod, especially in the impoundments. And I can't seem to get onto a pattern at the moment, but then there's other guys that I know are fishing out at Wayango as well at the moment and they're, they're killing it basically. They're getting mm. sort of meter fish every session, but I just can't seem to, to crack them. But then last season, I went on a run where I was in that position where I, I couldn't go out there and not catch a fish sort of over a meter. So I was just a great run, and, and I just kept building off that and kept finding fish in the same water um, in the same area and just sort of had a, a lure that was working. And I just can't find that at the moment. But, yeah, I definitely think what you're saying is true is once you get onto the fish, you can sort of make a bit of a run and, and put a fair few in the boat and... If you let if you let that slip, you can you can struggle to, to work them out again for a while. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a, just want to touch on for people that some people go out there and they'll fish and they'll try a technique and like oh it didn't work, um, but it doesn't mean that the fish aren't biting. So if you cannot get them, there's always something you can be trying different to get them. And then if that works, don't be stuck in that being the only technique you use for the next twelve months. Like you've really got to mix it up, and you'd believe that as well. Yeah, hundred percent. Oh, oh, yeah. I'll always like start of the season. I'll be trying everything, and then I'll sort of 
I'll structure my approach to what I, well, if I've got results, what's working and put what's not away. But, you know, for me, just sort of in summer, I normally fish at a lot more reaction baits. And um, then in winter, when, when it's a completely different time, I'll move more to swim baits and uh, more like lures that are more trying to imitate the bait instead of trying to get a reaction strike out of the fish. So normally I find in winter the the fish are more on the hunt. Uh, bait, bait is a lot scarcer, so if you can imitate a bait fish well, you've got a better chance, whereas in uh, the warmer water, there's normally a fair bit of bait around and they, they, might be high, they normally hold pretty tight to structure. So you want to try and use something that's uh, got a bit of reaction about it, like a spinnerbait or a chatterbait or bang a hard body into their structure. That's sort of, I guess that's what you're trying to get at with the question. Yep. Yeah. No. That's that's a good. Yeah. And and that's a good explanation, like of what lures to use when based on how the fish are behaving. I've never heard it actually explained that way. So, and that that is totally true. Um, mate, I want to move on to just talking a little bit about sounders. I know previously I've had a chat to you uh, before we recorded this about sounders and how you use them and a bit of experience you've had with them how important do you think they are and also can you explain to me the new technology that we've got with sounders and how it's changing the way obviously the people who have it fish um, I know different brands call it different things either your live scope or uh, yeah your pan optics and your things like that can can you explain a little bit about that how it all works and how it's like a massive game changer yeah for sure um, I'll start by saying I'm definitely not the best um, with the electronics I just I'm fortunate enough to fish with with a couple of guys that definitely know what's going on and know how to use them and have got the right uh, electronics on their boat. But um, what we're, what I would talk about is the Garmin Panoptics Live Scope. So I think it's been out, well, I've def- it's been in the Australian waters for at least a year now, but it's sort of just started to really get a bit of momentum kind of off the back of the AYC uh, fishing tournaments last year. I remember, um, I think it was Copedon midway through last year, they were, the Skiers boys from Parks, they got a unit on their boat, um, a 10-inch unit that had that could take the Panoptics live scope. Yep. Um, so they had it on their boat and basically Copedon was, was an absolute grind up there and I think the team that comes second caught seven fish and the Skiers boys caught over 20 and oh, they yeah. had the live scope and that was kind of like, that was a light bulb moment. So I remember me and Bruce going over in the boat and, and watching what they were doing. We, we, I hadn't seen it before. And I was like, what the hell are they doing? Because they had – the transducer basically comes off a pole that you have at the front of the boat. So it's yep. separate. So it looks – it's kind of like you've got your electric motor on most on most sort of bass boats or, you know, tinnies these days. You've got an electric motor up the front and you'll actually have um, sort of contraction up the front that – you can you can pull up and pull down the same as your electric motor, and that's just a transducer. You you basically just put that in the water, and at the top you can spin it around uh, 360 degrees. Yeah. And where and where that uh, shoots, it'll actually shoot a beam out, and it basically gives you like real time data back to the back to your sounder from that transducer. Um, I definitely recommend anyone that hasn't seen it yet. I know most people probably have seen it, but if you haven't, jump on YouTube. Or Facebook and have a look at it. It's, it's crazy stuff, but it's it's just yeah, it's real time data, and you can actually you can actually see the fish swimming on on the sounder, and then you can see your lures on the sounder, and you can basically you can you can shoot the beam out thirty meters in front of you, and you can cast. And it's 
I don't know the exact accuracy with the like how wide the beam is, but yep. it's sort of you can shoot it and once you find your lure, like you can find your lure twenty meters away and you can just you can bring your lure back at a certain depth and you can watch it the whole way swimming back to the boat and then you like you can see fish following it and see how fish are reacting to the bait and all this cool stuff. It's very hard to explain. It um, is. Very yeah. hard to explain. You're to doing people, a good job. <laughs> yeah, to, to people without um, them actually them. showing them. You know, I've, I've tried to explain to a lot of people over the last sort of six months ever since I first saw it and they've sort of been like, oh, yeah, yeah, another sound, blah, blah, blah. But then as soon as you show them, they're at the tackle shop the next week buying a unit. So it's, <laughs> um, it, it's crazy stuff. I know I was telling you the other day that we went out to Wyangla uh, myself and Robbo and Cuz went out there for a quick session. We only had a couple of hours, um, and it was dark, so we we went out and we just basically we just went to the first point because we it was basically raining before, so we sort of sat in the ute and waited for the rain to stop, and basically left us with a couple of hours on the water. So we just shot across to the first point and basically just dropped the live scope down and just started cruising around with that and seeing if we could find find fish. Yeah, and you can actually like you can just target like as soon as you see a cod on the on the live scope, you can you can actually target that fish and you can cast your lure at it and bring it straight back past the cod. You can see exactly how the fish reacts to the bait and if he's interested. Sometimes like it's amazing how many times the cod will actually follow your bait. Just just like you know how trout do it in a river, they'll yeah. go behind your hard body lure and they'll just follow it all the way back to your feet, but they won't actually bite it. It's amazing, no how, it's amazing how many cod do that as well with like a gigantor on the end of your line. They'll just nose behind it all the way back to the boat and won't eat it. It's, uh, can be quite, it can be quite frustrating at times, but wow. yeah, it's, it's kind of like um, it's kind of like playing a video game while fishing. <laughs> it's, 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 everyone's <laughs> just, everyone's just got their eyes glued to the screen and, and watching the lure on the screen and watching what the fish are going to do. But that actual night, we had a fair few refusals from cod. They weren't really committing and then... Uh, we're coming towards the end of the session. We're just on a real deep, rocky bank, and it was we're in fifteen meters of water. And uh, Cuz had actually he'd actually hit the cod. He was asleep across the bench seat of the skeeter, and Robbo and I were just putting in our last few casts. And uh, we're both out to the left hand side towards the bank, and um, keeping an eye on the live scope. And basically, a, a, a big fish swam straight under the boat, and we just picked it up on the live scope and I said to Rob, I was like, holy smokes, that's a good fish because it basically gives you um, a grid on the screen and you can get it in like metre or two metre grids and yep. you can sort of judge the size of the fish off how big it is on on the sounder screen with the grids. Yep. And, we were like, and he was like, yeah, shivers, that's that's massive. And we started cranking our lures in because it was sort of heading towards our lures but then it turned around and went back under the boat. I was still a fair way out but Robbo was pretty much, he had his line back close to the boat so he quickly wheeled in and as the fish shot back out to the other side of the boat he turned the transducer around like swiveled it around 180 degrees and picked him back up and he um cast his lure out he had a big spinner bait on with a 200 mil duckfin shot on the back yeah casted it back out uh probably 15 meters from the boat and basically you could see his lure uh dropping down and he just sort of lost the fish for a bit in the transducer and he just as he picked him back up, he saw his lure was only sort of two metres away, just sort of dropping down to the level that the fish was at. The fish was at about 10 metres. Yeah. Um, and he's going, Jacko, 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 look at this. And I've turned my head, and he, but he's basically, he didn't even wind it. He just clicked in the gear and started tapping his rod butt. And uh, as soon as the cod seen that, it just shot over and just grabbed it. And 
And you saw it eat it. Yeah, saw it eat it. And it, was, it was just crazy. Ended up being a meter twelve that fish, and that was wow. yeah, it's just just insane. Like we had it, we had it up when we we went we go barra fishing every year up to Proserpine. We went up there last year in November, and we had it up there for that as a, as well. And yeah, we pretty much seen oh, at least fifty percent of the barra that we caught, like meter barra, actually eat our soft plastics like halfway back to the boat. <laughs> we just seen that is thing. crazy. Yeah, it's it's next level. It's just it's completely game changing because you can yeah you can just see the fish like you're not you if you want to go like right into it you can basically go fishing and only cast at fish like you can. Like I know you might go out a session and have a thousand casts for a weekend or something and you might actually never go past a fish's face. Whereas yeah. with this you might you could go out and you might only have fifty casts for the weekend, but every single one of those casts is gonna be in front of a cod's face. So it just it just really puts the odds in your favour. Um, just being able to see exactly where the fish is and, and how how they react to the, the lures as well, like I know I've been talking to a few of the boys that have been doing really well over at Wyangler and they've been saying like um, they've been finding that the cod, like say the cod metres 10, uh, 15 metres from the boat, they said whatever you do, don't cast like your gigantrel or whatever bait you've got on, like a big bait, never cast it on top of them because it'll spook them. Yeah. Um, they said always cast sort of 10 metres past the fish. He said, they said it's just ridiculous how, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe how much uh, the lure splash would actually spook a meter cod but he said they definitely do it definitely does and even just in my short time using it out at Wyangler you can it definitely um it's definitely true what sometimes it'll get their attention but 90 percent of the time it'll actually spook the fish and they'll shoot away real quick so you want to try and be as natural as possible get that bait way out past them um and then bring it back like a lot of the fish recently been getting caught in timber and yep. what they've been doing is sort of finding submerged timber and, and just casting way past that timber. And you can just see the cod sitting right in the middle of the tree, like down 10 metres on a, like on the thermocline. And they, can, they pick their lure up and then just basically bring it straight back past his face. And then, yeah, that normally they'll get, they're getting their strikes just as it goes past their face. The cod just swings <laughs> out of the tree and grabs it. So, and you that see it every so time. That is so cool. Yeah, it's... Um, yeah, it's it's just ridiculous the technology. I know Lawrence has got they've got their version of it, but from what I've seen, it's not as good. Um, yep. I, I haven't really used it. I've only seen it on one boat, but and from what I've heard from other people, it's just not as good as what the Garmin have got at the moment. But I'm pretty sure they're releasing a newer version um, soon. So interesting to see what that's like, and I'm sure Hummingbird won't be far behind. It's going to be yeah, it's just a big race these days. <laughs> Who's got the best technology with the sanders? Yeah. But I guess where yeah. So this is just by my mind. So like when you were just talking about the tree there, they you can see your lure sinking, so people know when the lure's at the right depth. So they're like, right, oh, bring it past, let it sink a little bit. Yep, it's right in line with him. Like it's dead set that accurate. Yeah, hundred percent. You can insane. you can you can just see everything. Like, don't get me wrong, it's not like you're not going to get this technology and smash it straight away. You still got to hone your skills with it a bit and. Just work out how to like get the settings right uh, for the unit, and just sort of work out how to use the transducer right when you're shooting it and whatnot. But it's yeah, it's it's pretty foolproof. Once you use it a couple oh, yeah. of times, you can yeah, you can work it out. But you know the guys and the guys that fish the AYC tournaments now, like like there was only one boat that had it midway through last year, and I reckon over fifty percent of the boats have it now. And 
you sort of like I'd honestly say that if you don't have that technology on your boat nowadays, you'd you'd actually struggle to compete with the guys that have it. Yeah. Um, in the AYC concerts, yeah, it's just it's just mind blowing. Like you can, the yellow belly guys, because there's so many yellow belly, like they fish, they're fishing timber a lot of the time. Like say they're fishing vertical, um, soft plastics over timber. You can you you're just watching your lure the whole time, and like they might you can see sort of fifteen golden perch and on the screen and you can like I, I was on the boat with a few boys at Barunjuk last year and they were they were in the upgrading stage like they had their 10 fish and they were upgrading and they were actually going past submerged timber and like actually saying to each other like oh there's three fish there but they're not big enough or oh, there's two fish over there we won't worry about them then they'd, they'd see a pack of four over to the right and be like oh that those ones would be upgrades and that they'd go straight over there and drop their lures on their heads and catch them straight away and upgrade them it was just just You're crazy. Kidding. Yeah, that is ridiculous, isn't that? Isn't that insane? And just so for people who don't understand, it's live. How does it compare to your old sound? Like your your other one is you go over something and it prints what it sees at that time, and then that's it. Whereas this is updating the whole time while you're pointing in the same direction. Yeah, it's real time. So like, it's it's this is the hardest bit to explain to people. But it's just like it's actually like you're just watching the fish swim around on the trench yep. on on the sonar on the on yep. your unit on your on your unit up the front. You're actually watching the fish swim around. Whereas with your traditional sonar or down scan, you just take a print of that fish, and as soon as that is on the screen, you've got no idea what way that fish is facing, how fast it's moving, like where it's going. You don't yep. you don't even know what direction it's going. But with this, you can actually you can actually um, find the fish and you can actually follow the fish like i remember the skiers boys telling me last year that one of their meter cod they caught they chased it for 500 meters up a bank until it stopped moving and they cast a gigantic at and caught it no way yeah, so that's crazy so go back to telling me sorry mate go back to telling me about this spinnerbait one the other night you was your plan of attack for the whole night to just cruise around and try and find fish and then can you always see them or if they're real tight to cover, they can be hard to find. Like they're a lot easier to see when they're out away from the structure. And so what did you do that night? Did you actually just look for fish or did you fish as well? No, we just, cause we only had a couple of hours and we hadn't been out there for a while. So we, our game plan was purely just to go out and, um, yeah, just use the live scope and see if we could find fish. So we were only, yeah, we were only casting at fish. We wouldn't have had many casts for the night, but every one of them was, um, basically out of fish or in, in the zone that the, we knew the fish were swimming around in. Like, I know we found a patch of sort of submerged timber that had about five big cod swimming around, sort of just no moving, way. moving between the trees. So we focused a fair bit of time on them. But, yeah, as I said before, we, we had a fair few refusals where they just nose behind the boat, uh, behind the bait, but not actually commit to it. And we sort of you sort of find, like, if they do that, they're just never going to eat. They sort of, yeah. you, like, you know, the old theory behind having a hundred casts at a piece of structure until that fish wants to bite. I think nah. this definitely um, contradicts that because, yeah, we we had a lot of casts at fish just sitting stationary on, on a piece of timber and, and they will not commit. But when you actually find a fish that wants to eat, the first time that lure goes past his face, he will eat it. 
Yeah, I I believe exactly what you said there. I've never been a huge believer of annoying a cod into feeding. Like, they just swim away. Like, I've got a cod in a tank and he will push stuff away to the point that, you know, he doesn't want it. And you're right. So you're better off just looking for ones that are going to have a crack, like yeah. a hungry fish. Yeah, just keep moving on to, to the active fish or, or ones that are going to eat because, yeah, like we had one there the other night and we... We threw everything at him, and we were just sitting above him, and you can just see him just sitting in the tree, in the fork of a submerged tree, and he did not budge. <laughs> wow. Just crazy, yeah. But we would so, we, go again. Oh, I was going to say we would have had more chance fair hooking him than actually getting to eat. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And what was he sitting in? Like a standing tree, or was the tree like a big log laying on the bottom? Nah, standing. So we it was actually in about so twenty five meters of water, and he was sitting in the, at, at the top in the fork at about ten meters. Yeah, and you could see him sitting there. Yeah, they just they just sit in there. It's it's pretty cool to to watch them. Like sometimes you'll find them, and that that one twelve that Robbo caught, it was actually like moving around on that deep bank, and it was sort of moving pretty quick. And then, but other fish you'll find they they're just sitting on their structure. And they they just don't move. So the one that you found, were you? Were you cruising that bank looking for, for a fish? Were you like going along that bank looking? But you said your lures were out in the water. So were you just thinking, oh, we'll have a cast here for the last 10 minutes and then you saw it swim through and then you chased it? Yeah, well, we we seen a few, we saw a few um, good fish move along that rock wall on the live scope. So we're sort of just casting at that rock wall, um, sort of free casting, I guess, but we knew that there was a couple of fish right. in that vicinity. Yep. And then that that big one we actually it swam under the boat so it come from behind us and swam under the boat and basically we had the transducer facing the bank and it sort of picks up a couple of meters behind itself so as soon as that fish sort of come under the boat we picked it up straight away and then it swam out to the side we were casting and you could sort of see the size of it on that transducer and then it basically done a 180 and shot back out the other side and then so like as soon as we seen that robo cranked it in and uh basically chased him with the with the transducer and picked him up again and, and cast out and caught him. That is insane. So basically you just changed the whole night just because you saw that fish and turned around and put the cast exactly where it needed to go. Otherwise you would be none the wiser and you would have just kept casting the way you were going. Yeah, yeah. Well, we would have, we would have, well, we could have caught something because we would have fished differently, but we definitely would not have caught that fish if we didn't have that technology on the boat. Wow, it's almost a must, eh? You'd like telling me, like I feel like it would more than double your catch rate. Like it'd have to. Like that is just next level. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's it's a real game changer. It's it's kind of hard. Like on my tinny at the moment, I don't have I don't have it. I'm gonna I'm in the process of getting it. I'm just trying to save the funds up at the moment to get it. And I'll, I'll have it within a few weeks, I think. But it's kind of hard to get motivated to actually go out and fish, knowing like knowing that you don't have it on the boat and sort of being on a boat with it, you just you just understand how much your chances are diminished, I guess, by not having it. And in yeah. my opinion, it's yeah, it's I don't know. I don't want everyone to go in and and wait and spend a heap of money on um on sounders, but it, it's yeah, it's definitely I can't recommend anything as much as as this technology. It's just ridiculous. Like, I don't have anything to do with Garmin or. Or whatnot, yeah, yeah. but oh, like what's it worth? What what for for someone who's just like, wow, this is cool. I wonder what it's worth. What like a rough price range? Uh, so you can so there's a lot of different models uh, screens that you can get that'll take the live scope. So the live scope, the transducer itself, that's about eighteen hundred. Um, and then so you can sort of just with your different models, like you can get 
you can get a nine inch, ten inch, twelve inch, sixteen inch screen. So it sort of it ranges. I know I know most of the like the most of the boys are going for um, a HD screen. Um, it's an eighty four twelve twelve inch, um, and they're sort of around that forty seven hundred. So yeah. so it's not cheap. So you have got forty seven hundred. Then you've got the eighteen hundred for the transducer, and that transducer won't actually do your side scan and down scan. So if you run a, if you want to run that as well, you're going to have to get another transducer that'll probably cost for I think they're four to five hundred as well. So yeah, uh, it's sort of seven and a half eight grand to set yourself up. Um, you can save a bit of money by going a smaller screen with not as good definition. But yeah. I think if you're going to be spending that much money, you, you may as well get the bee's knees. Yeah. Okay. And then obviously, yeah, the biggest screen will just make it way easier to define, you know, the fish you're looking for. Yeah, it's just it's just easier. Like you can get a you can get a longer distance um, on the screen. Like you can get thirty meters instead of twenty. Yep. You know, in a perfect world, we'd all be running around with sixteens all over the boat. But <laughs> yeah, I know I know funds are funds are always tough. Even for me at the moment, I I'm I'm on the on the verge of buying it. But yeah, it's 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 definitely an investment. But I think it's definitely worth it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's cool. That that was insane. I love the story you telling me about that and the whole live scope thing. And it's a space to watch, guys. Definitely a space to watch. So yeah, we'll definitely revisit that hopefully in the future. Um, thanks for that, mate. Appreciate it. So I just want to touch on a little bit about back to cod again. What's your for you? What's your favourite way to chase them? Like what technique? What style? Where would you prefer to go for chasing cod? Um, well, impoundments these days. I, I grew up fishing uh, the rivers back home, but and I, I used to really love fishing the rivers. I used to just walk for kilometres and kilometres all weekend, and yeah, that's all I do. But sort of, yeah, sort of getting a boat um, set up with a boat and whatnot these days. It's I just like I really like the challenge of fishing the impoundments. I find it a bit hard. I, well, the river back home is it's pretty stuffed at the moment because we've had some pretty bad fish kills. But yeah, it's it's just. It's a lot more of a challenge, and the size of your fish are, are often a lot bigger, especially for for where we are. You know, it's good fun catching fifty to sixty centimeter fish all the time. But I think, yeah, just just having that ability to be able to catch a meter fish on any cast um, is really drawing for the impoundments. Yeah. Um, but yeah, any I don't I don't mind how how I, what lure I'm throwing or technique I'm I'm using to sort of target the fishes. Yeah, I, I just use what I just do what's best what I believe is yep. best at the time kind of thing. Like it, it's always changing. I always have a favorite lure at every, any given time and then it, it'll change from one to the next and that's always a little get thrown on first and until something else comes along. But yeah, I, I sort of rotate. Um, I don't mind. I, I can sort of go with the season kind of thing. In summer, as I said earlier, I'd, I'm more reaction. So I like to fish, like I'll fish structure with spinnerbaits or, chatterbaits or hard bodies that type of thing and then as it starts to cool off and the fish seem to get on the hunt a bit more and move up on into shallower water i'll go to more natural stuff so plastics and uh, and just hard body swim baits and whatnot have you got any tips for chasing cod in the daylight in your impoundments because i've seen a couple of your videos or in quite a lot you get quite a few good fish in the daylight do you do something different because nighttime seems to be the draw card for chasing those trophy fish is there what's the difference with the day is it all about just basically fishing deeper do you fish a lighter leader do you fish slower what what's the difference that you do in the day um well i do normally i do 
I'd say the majority of my fishing these days is during during the dark. I'll normally sort of fish. If I'm going in the morning, I'll fish a few hours before sun up into what basically once that sun gets up and then in the afternoon I'll, I'll go out just before that sun goes down so I don't I really don't fish much during the middle of the day if I right, am okay. if I yeah. am fishing like a lot of the fish that you might see me catch in light will be sort of first light or last light scenarios which yeah. I think is probably one of the best times to be on the water but yeah like I, I did used to fish a lot more during the day just because I wanted to put the hours in but I just think I think your your chances of catching fish are definitely um, diminished the the higher that sun gets. But um, so say you're fishing like if say you're fishing a flat or a bank where in the low light or the darkness the cod will actually move up to feed. You often won't find those fish will be up there once that sun gets up. They'll actually retreat normally back to structure. So often um, you want to target target during the middle of the day structure. So deep banks, rock walls timber that type of stuff yep. you can get away i i reckon you can can get away with it if you've got an overcast day you often get a lot more prolonged bite period um mm-hmm. through the morning or or early afternoon i've caught some good fish during the day when there's really good cloud cover but yeah i, I sort of don't these days i don't really slug it out much once that sun gets up i sort of go back to camp or or call the session i sort of like to if i'm on a trip i'll um i'll just rest during the middle of the day and try and spend most of the time out there when I believe prime bite times is around sunset, sun up and, and through the night around around moons and whatnot. I think you can I think you can waste a lot of times in empowerments fishing in the middle of the day. Like I like I, I can do it, I could do it, but I yeah, time's it's not worth the effort. Yeah, time's time's sort of precious these days, so I'd rather be sleeping and, and resting up and actually and putting my effort in during the night. Yeah. And do you prefer that last bit of light like is, do you find that the key part like just as the sun goes down and for a little bit after or do you find you have random bite periods all the way through the night um yeah i, I found especially last season the majority of our good fish sort of come in that the sort of the, uh, probably an hour after last light so once you sort of couldn't see in front of you till till an after uh, an hour after that it's pretty much when we got all our good fish um so it's Definitely a bit of a trend that we found last year. And then also um, in the morning, it was also the similar thing where sort of an hour prior to um, sunrise or first light was when we got uh, the majority of our better fish um, yeah. in the morning session. So uh, it's it, like it was mainly winter fishing. Like we were fishing, it's tough. Like we were going out at sort of 3.30 in the morning and it can be very tough because it's minus four degrees and whatnot but yeah uh, yeah just i don't know why but yeah it just seems to be a prime bite time do you prefer morning or are they don't mind um either or yeah either or um definitely i'm I'm trying to keep more of a um diary this season to sort of work out when when a better time would be to go i don't know if there is a better time i think i think last season i had five meteries in the morning and five meteries (laughs) at night so <laughs> it's pretty even split. yeah it's, yeah it's 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 a it's a tough question but you know yeah. arvos are definitely easier because you don't have to get out of bed normally and um mm. it's not as cold but yeah mornings can mornings can definitely be really good time to be on the water yeah yeah what um what kind of setup you running like your main line your leader 
um, what kind of poundage are you running? And then also, what are some of your favorite lures? Like you mentioned, um, what types? Have you got a couple of brands that you prefer? Uh, yep. So I pretty much run all swim bait gear. Um, I've been sort of associated with Daiwa for a few years now, so I use all their sort of stuff. Their attachable swim bait rods, they've got three models. Um, and I, ru- I kind of run sort of one one of each size. I normally have like uh, the biggest one, I'll throw my biggest baits right down to the smaller stuff. So the smaller swim bait rod, I'll still throw uh, sort of ounce spinner baits and chatter baits and that type of stuff on that. So they're the normal um, rods I go with. They're all sort of 7.3 to 7.9, I believe. I definitely reckon a longer rod is um is really handy these days i, I used to fish the old five sixes and whatnot back in the day but yeah <laughs> having having that extra length um especially fishing impoundments is is definitely a lifesaver when you want to get those extra meters on your cast yep um reels i sort of just use 200 or 300 size reels um i use tatulas tatula reels hds um braid i use 50 pound j braid on all my setups and 60 pound fluoro leader on all my setups i don't think i don't think i don't believe um like leader size really makes a difference um i know like say with other types of fishing like yellow belly or you want to get more into stuff like saltwater with brim and whatnot i think leader really impacts the bite um but with cod i think yeah i just don't think that they it it doesn't affect them if you could fish if i could fish straight braid I probably would because I don't like to hunt FG knots, but I just you got to have a bit of fluorocarbon on there just for that abrasion resistance yep. um, that the braid doesn't offer. So I normally only run sort of no more than a rod length of leader, and then let that get all the way down to down to a foot basically before I'll retie it. Lures, I guess favourite lures like if anyone that follows me will know that I use duckfin shads, die with duckfin shads a lot. Um, they actually got discontinued. <laughs> Not that long Spilling. ago, so yeah, so that's a tough one. But I, anything in that sort of two hundred mil plastic um, range, I think, is a great lure. I know the, um, the there's a heap of different stuff like the RIP shads, yeah, um, Western shad tees, ripple shads. Yeah, there's a heap of the ones that are the West. Uh, what are those ones got that you got down there that you use a lot of? The ignites. Yeah, the, the yeah Cod those. Furies. Cod Furies, yeah, so you do real well with them. Yeah. Anything like that. I just think they're, they're very they're such a versatile lure. You can sort of fish them at any depth just by changing your jig head and whatnot. And I also, um, I can easily turn mine into spinner baits or chatter baits just by attaching like the blades basically. So yeah. I think I think you've got, uh, yeah, there's just so many options with a plastic, but, and they're a lot cheaper as well. And some of the some of the yeah. some of the big uh, hard body swim baits these days aren't they? Um, I do like like I I do love gantrel like jackal gantrels and whatnot. I've caught a lot of good fish on them, so I've got a few of them, and they're probably I reckon they're probably the go to sort of swim bait that you know I reckon they've caught more Murray cod in the last sort of couple of seasons than any other lure. So yeah, well, you've got, you sort of got you got to have a few of them, and yeah, chatter baits, spinner baits. You got to, You just got to have a range of stuff. And what weight, what's your go-to weight if you're running the, the duckfin shad as a plastic? Like, have you got a couple that you, you use, that you, yeah, your weights? Yeah, I, I pretty much normally run a half ounce. Half, yep. Uh, yep. So I use the TT, I uh, can't remember what they're called, TT, TT Jigger, but it's got the little attachment underneath. Yep. Um, so I actually crimp 
some uh, 80 pound fluoro onto that uh, onto the onto that eyewood underneath, and then run a treble off that. So I've got the the main hook up the top, and then I run a treble underneath for most of my duck fin shads. Yep. And I just find the the half ounce is pretty good for anywhere from like three meters down to sort of eight meters. Yeah. Um, if you want to if you want to fish deeper than that, you might want to go a bit heavier. But yeah, I, I just think that's a good a good sort of all round size. So I normally rig a few uh, all my lures up on that, and yeah, you can just sort of let they achieve whatever depth you want to fish and yeah, and sort of track it back. And that tracks really well as well. Like if you go too light, your little, your soft plastic won't track um, at the depth properly. It'll actually come Up. sort of rise rise to the boat the whole the whole way back. So yeah, you want it you want it to sort of track it. So you let it get down to five meters. You want that lure to track at five meters the whole way back to the boat, kind of yeah. thing. So you know, yeah, just with your soft plastics. Have a bit of a play around. It's a good thing about them, eh? You can mix and match plastics. That's why I love plastics that don't come rigged. Um, a lot of people like the convenience of having them rigged, but if they come unrigged, the, the, the sky's the limit to what you can do. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, do, I, I fiddle around with everything. It doesn't matter what lure I get, I always change something on it. So. <laughs> to make it suit like the exact situation that you're out there. Even on, on the water, you do it too, eh? Just to make it suit exactly, basically, the situation you're fishing. Yeah, hundred percent. Cool, um, mate. I got a question for you. I don't know what your answer is going to be, or if you think about it much. But one thing that I reckon is like super key with these big, big fish is the hit and the strike and setting the hook. What is your success rate like with setting a hook on a big cod, like in the empowerment? And and what happens? Because I've got a whole. I could talk on a whole episode about the strike and what happens. Um, it, do you do you just jam them as hard as you can? Like, what's I know you've got no time to think about it, but do you just hit them as hard as you can, and then do you just keep as much tight line? And and what's your success rate with with the hookups and the hits from these fish and the impoundments? Yeah, okay. My approach with it is so I basically I've got my reel all but locked with the drag. So running, <laughs> <laughs> that's my approach. I run like I'm running fifty pound and sixty pound leaders. So I've actually. Touch wood, I've never been um, snapped off on the strike from a cod. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I just hit him as hard. As soon as I get that hit, I swing as hard as I can. And then I, I wind as hard as I can until I've sort of got that fish sort of close to the boat. And then I'll back that drag off and, and let him play up at the boat if he wants. You def- That's one of the keys, I reckon, is you want to get him to the boat quick, but you don't, like... Once they get sort of within like quite like within five meters of the boat, you need to back that drag off because if they do, they always play up at the boat. So when they go for that run at the boat, you don't want to have a locked drag basically because that's when things can go wrong and you can snap rods and break line and whatnot. But well and truly, yeah. yeah. So I think I think another thing on that is it definitely with the hookup rate, it definitely depends on what you're using. So I find. So with a reaction style of bait, your hookup will never be as good as with, uh, say, a swim bait or something like an an imitation type of bait. When you're trying, you don't to imi- reckon? No, I reckon that the cod, I reckon the cod swallow the swim baits and those natural those natural really presentations well. a lot more. So you often hook them a lot deeper. Whereas yeah, with a spinner bait, you know, I'd say ninety percent of my spinner bait hookups are in the corner of the mouth, not actually down there down their gob. Because mm, they're just like having a quick hard crack at it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think they just crack it, and I don't think they're fully invested in eating it. They just don't want it in their in this in their zone kind of thing. But yeah, I, I, that's just what I found. I found 
with swim baits or soft plastics, I just I just find that you get a heaps better hookup rate than with something that like a spinner bait or a hard body where you're actually crashing into their snags and they're a bit pissed off and want to get rid of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you find do you miss many on your soft plastics? Do you find you miss many? Because um, I've oh, there was one season that I don't even want to talk about it. We lost that many fish; it was ridiculous. And it's before we started putting that swinging front hook on, because they were all just hitting head first. But I find those big fish are so hard to stick because their mouths are that hard, and it's quite easy for a hook to just bounce off. Like the teeth, the pads on the teeth are that thick and wide. Like you've like to hook up isn't easy, especially on a plastic. Do, do you find that happens to you as well? Um. Yeah, I, I might have a bit of a different story to you. I, I find it pretty good. Like that's why I run the treble on the on all my plastics underneath as well as having the top hook. Yeah, I found like just just on last season alone, like all our, all my big fish, they were all sort of I had the treble sort of stuck in the back of their tongue, wow. and the and the and the top hook in the top of in the roof of their mouth kind of thing. Um, I I really. Yeah, I, I didn't miss many strikes That's last good. season. Yeah, um, but then it, if you want to talk about spinner baits and whatnot, <laughs> I reckon I'm at about thirty percent hookup. It's a completely yeah. different story. So, yeah, I don't know. I just, I've I just find yeah, I, I've I've just had a real good success rate. I don't know if it's luck or what yeah. it is, but I think yeah, I, I I used to run the traditional like stinger hook on the top as you would with a spinner bait on my plastics, and I did used to miss a few fish. Do, running them like that and ever since i've gone to run in the treble underneath my hookup rate's been a lot better i know like snags and stuff are Worse. a lot more common but often like in sort of winter when i'm normally using that type of presentation i'm not fishing structure i'm fishing featureless banks in the middle of nowhere so it doesn't really it doesn't really yeah. sort of click well well, I will agree with you that since I added the treble, it's it's massive difference. And I think especially if it is swinging or, or loose, it's got room to sort of dig in. Whereas with your traditional stinger, because it's fixed and there's only a small gap between the top of the point and the back of the plastic, like it's not much room to sort of grab. But yeah, you're right. And it's interesting just to hear, you know, the different success rates with different hookups. Um, but yeah, also with your strike and having your lock drag, you think it's pretty safe because do a lot of the fish that you hook in the impoundments come towards you rather than like full on run away hard? Do you, like they don't, they don't, they do pull hard, but a lot of the times I find in winter, I don't know yourself, but in winter they don't actually go that hard and they swim back towards you at the boat. Yeah, completely agree with that. That's why that's why I've got it locked and that's why I start reeling as hard as I can as soon as I as soon as I hook up because you don't want to you don't want to give them any slack line. I think that's another thing with the the lock drag as well is you can get a bit more purchase on the fish. So, like, I know I fish with my old man a lot and he he's a big believer in having a, a lot looser drag. Yeah. And I, I always say to him, I say, you're using, a, like, a, a treble gauge, like, the gauge of the treble and the hook that you're using is very thick. So, you, you basically, you want to you wanna give them everything you've got to actually sink that treble in or that hook in. Yeah. Um, and that's why I go a lot drag because, yeah, because we're using such thick gauge trebles and hooks, it is hard to get them in into the roof of the mouth or or wherever in their gob. So you've really got to you got to hit them hard, I reckon. Yeah, 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 exactly. And that's why you do exactly. And you haven't busted off, so why no, stop? I haven't. I know. I, I my old man actually he got um he got busted on the strike a couple of weeks back. But, <laughs> is yeah. this after you told him to lock his drag up? <laughs> no, it was actually. Uh, 
we'd been we'd been bass fishing a couple of days before, and he um he thought he'd run his bass combo out there, so it's his it's his fault, but it just wasn't using the right line. Yeah, and right. Yeah, probably a bit yeah, yeah. too tight a drag for what he was using, but yeah, I, I've never been busted off on the strike, and I think that's why I run sort of fifty pound at a minimum. If you're yeah. gonna run if you're gonna run twenty or thirty on your braid, you might. You might come into a few issues with with using that on a But there's no drag. reason not to run fifty. Like I think it feels better. Like really. Oh yeah, like, for casting and whatnot, and especially when you're using like big lures, say for ga- like gantrels and for example, you can like I'm 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 very good at uh, throwing backlashes out there. So having that fifty pound line is going to save you a lot of money because if you're mm. using anything less, like it's very easy for if you get a backlash, you can easily throw. $80, Eighty dollars straight out to the bottom of the bottom of the dam, mm. um, and I have done it before. So yeah, yes, <laughs> on you many need to avoid that as much as you can. <laughs> yeah, and, and as you say, it, it does feel better. I reckon it just it's nicer to cast, and just yeah, I just think that sort of forty to fifty pound minimum is what you want to go with, especially for empowerment fishing. Yeah, yeah, well and truly, mate. I've got a couple more questions for you. We, we've we've gone for a, a fair bit of time. We've covered so much. I could just keep talking for ages. I I wanted to get right in depth and talk about golden perch and a bit of Windermere stuff and a bit of Wyangler stuff. But I reckon I'll just have to. We'll have to do another episode in the future, maybe, um, because we've we've covered so much in this one. A couple more questions though. Where to now for you? What's your future plan in the whole fishing world? Do you have anything exciting coming up? Is it just to to learn more, fish harder, keep pursuing that passion to catch big cod? Um, what's the future for Jacko? More pie reviews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there'll definitely be more pie reviews. I need to get back onto them. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I sort of I'm sort of in a good place at the moment. I just just loving fishing. I've got a pretty cruisy job where it allows me to go go fishing pretty much whenever i yep. want um I'd like, I'd like to be out there every day but i can't do that but i do get it pretty good so yeah just keep fishing i, I enjoy um sort of pre- making content and putting that out there sort of just keep doing that on the socials you know grow the youtube channel yep. and whatnot keep doing the keep doing the stuff with ayc i really enjoy that i think i think the ayc comps are a, a great thing for for freshwater fishing in particular, and it's it's just great to get out with all the guys. Everyone's everyone's a bunch of legends out there, so it's always good to go down to those comps and 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 shoot a few videos and photos and whatnot for them. So I'll keep doing that, but yeah, I don't know, just keep fishing, I guess, and see where it takes me. I I, I got no real grand plan. Yeah, that's a good plan, mate. Keep fishing, <laughs> keep fishing. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> what's um what's your PB cod? Uh, one twenty one. 121. Would it be your most memorable catch, would you say? Or would you have uh, some other cod? I've, I've got a few. I'd, God, I, I could nearly tell you about every single one I've caught. I just don't forget. We need it's to do a <laughs> Jacko's top 10 cod episode and just talk about every single one. No, yeah. I, I'm just so obsessed with them, I don't forget. Like, I, I go with the boys. Even if we go down the river, I can say, oh, I caught a fish off. Caught a yep. 45 off that uh, twig over there. Yep. Six years ago. Remember when it was. Yeah. And, yeah. But yeah, I, that 121 was pretty special. That was up at Copeton. Um, la- that was actually last season. Uh, but yeah, I, I the fir- my first one was probably probably my most memorable. That's the one that yeah I'll never forget. I guess I'll never Tell forget us about that. One, but, um, it was oh, it must have been. It was the seventh of December. I can't remember what year. It was probably six years, six or seven years ago. Yeah. Seventh um, of December. So it was just after the season opened, and 
it was down the Macquarie River. So we always used to fish the Macquarie River. And, and the Macquarie up around Bathurst is kind of, it's definitely not big fish water. It's, there's a, there used to be a lot of fish sort of in that 50 to 70, 70 centimetre range. Yeah. And like we used to just froth it. We'd be down there all the time because you get them on surface and whatnot. It used to be so much fun. You'd always catch a couple of fish. But I think I think my PB at the time was like mid-70s out mm-hmm. of the river. So it was definitely nowhere near a metre. And um, we would went down opening weekend, which was the weekend before, and um, we done pretty good. We did pretty good and caught a fair few fish. And then uh, went back. I was going. I had to go back to Newcastle because I was at Newcastle at the time, and I was going back on the Tuesday. And the old man, I think I'm pretty sure it was a Monday. We went. He's like, "Do you want to go back out?" And I, I was arming an R, and and I ended up biting the bull and said, "Yeah, let's go," because it was a bit of a drive out there to this spot we used to go to. And yeah. I knew I knew he didn't go because I had to go back to Newcastle in the morning, but for bugger it, we'll send it out and. Yeah, I, it was just out, it was in the same stretch we always fish. We'd fish this hole for years and, you know, we'd never caught anything over 70 centimetres out of there. But, yeah, I just basically I hooked this fish in, in some timber. It was this big, big hole with a lot of um, lay-down timber in it. Yeah. And as soon, soon as I hit him, I, I knew straight away. I was, I was screaming out to Dad saying, it's a good fish, it's a good fish. And, yeah, I actually I had the GoPro going on the bank, so I actually it took seven and a half minutes to get the fish in. Wow! And that that was back. I was using like a little six foot four um, rod that was not not up to standard. Meter cod standard. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think I would have been running twenty pound braid and twenty pound leader. Jeez. And, <laughs> yeah, it was on a little um, half ounce assassin spinnerbait. Yep. Um, straight out of the pack, and yeah, I couldn't believe it. The first time I, I saw it, I was just like, "Holy shit, this thing's massive!" <laughs> I'd never seen anything like it. And it, it basically, we got it from one side of the river where it, it took it right in the structure. And I got him out of there and got him all the way to our feet, and he basically took off from our feet way back out to the other side. And I thought I was going to lose him, but I got, I ended up getting him in in the end. But yeah, seven and a half minutes. I, I definitely wouldn't have fought it any cod for that long. Since Ever since, then, but, yeah. Yeah, but it was, it was 114, so it was... It was Whoa, 114. I was waiting for like 104, 106 or something. 114. Yeah, it was um, That's epic. a big <laughs> river fish. Yeah, it was um, all the... None of the boys that I fish with all the time, none of them come out. It was just me and Dad. They didn't believe me for a while until they saw the photo. They couldn't believe it. But yeah, <laughs> wow, it was, it was pretty good to do, it, to do it with the old man as well. It was pretty special. And I've been with him when he caught his first meter. He, he sort of... He's always loved fishing, but he's um, really just sort of got right into it um, and coming with me ever since I've sort of really caught the bug for it, and he's been really good. Like, he used to drive us out. I remember before we had our license, we used to, me and me mate, we'd drop us, he'd work 12-hour shifts at, out at the mines, and he'd drop us out on the way on the way to work. He'd drop us at 6 in the morning and pick us up at 6 at night. And we'd just oh, be out wow. All day, and, yeah, so it was, it was good. But, yeah, he, he loves it now, and he's got a few meteries on the board, so. That's good. Doesn't get much better, does it? That's awesome. Fisherman now, man. Keep it up. That's that's the way to go. Mate, just one last question to finish up. Um, what's one lesson you live by? Um, it can be fishing. It can just be life in general. Is there anything you could share with the listeners? Um, I know most of what people share is re- relatively around the same sort of thing about life, but is there something that you live by that you could share with people? Uh, it's better to smile in a Toyota than cry in a Ferrari. 
That's the line. So basically that means it's better just um, try and be happy with what you got. Don't always chase the money and, and try and have um, things to impress other people. I try to live by that. Just do what makes you happy. And, um, yeah, it's better to be happy than to be sad and be rich, I guess. That's exactly right, mate. I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, that's just one of the best ones yet. A good motto to live by and obviously just be happy with what you got, mate. I appreciate you tuning in uh, for the episode, mate. I know it went for a little bit, but I know uh, everyone will get around it and really love it, mate. I really appreciate you uh, sitting down and having a chat with me. No, thanks, Reese. I really appreciate you having me on. I uh, really enjoyed it. I hope um, some of the listeners could have got could get some um, good stuff out of it. I know I've got a lot of good stuff out of the other guests you've yep. had on, so it's it's definitely a good thing you're doing, and I hope you keep it going. It's a, it's a great podcast. Cheers, mate. Appreciate it. Cheers, Reese. There you have it, guys. What another incredible episode, as always. And Jacko, very different to everyone else, but so down to earth. Loved sharing content. And I myself enjoyed the chat. Now, I actually talked to Jacko for like, I think another two hours after that podcast episode, just talking about fishing. You know, there's so much we can talk about. And Jacko, I will definitely have back on in an episode in the future. And we might talk about specific topics and specific things rather than just an overview of how fishing started for him and those other couple of things I touched on. If you're keen to hear me interview anyone we have already interviewed again and talk about a specific topic, make sure you let me know, shoot it through, and we'll make sure we can do that. Now, uh, I really love the chat. He went right in depth. We covered some awesome content, and I really appreciate uh, the time he spent with me. Now, guys, make sure, as always, leave a review. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure you take a screenshot of the podcast app you use and tag us um, in Instagram and Facebook. Tag us in your stories. Let us know what you like. Let us know which episodes you like because we will continue to produce content that you guys enjoy. Now, as I said, I want to thank everyone who tuned into the premiere. If you did watch the premiere, you will have heard the news about our new project that we launched. If you watched the premiere, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you didn't, hold on because we're going to release it to everyone in the next couple of weeks. So within the next two weeks, the next 14 days or so, we will release and announce what this new project is to the world but if you watch the premiere video you will know exactly what I am talking about and we're going to continue to grow this new project and I'm really really thankful for everyone who jumped on signed up and become a part of this project but if you didn't see the premiere video if you missed out just stay tuned within the next couple of weeks we're going to announce this project can't wait to share with you all, all of you guys I've just got a couple of few things to finish up working on before we release it uh, to the world but we did a pre-launch inside that premiere video and I want to thank everyone who was a part of that so far so guys without further ado that's the end of this episode and I'll finish up and I'll be talking to you in the next episode answering your listener questions and more fishing content now while we're in lockdown for two months if you have anything you'd like us to talk about specifically let us know because we're not going to be sharing because I was going to do an episode about autumn fishing because I've done one about summer autumn and I try to fit in an episode about what's happening at this time of year Obviously, we've put that on hold. We're going to have that for this week's episode. We're not going to do that because obviously we can't go fishing, so it's pointless for you guys. So we're only going to create content that you can learn from and then use once the season or once you know the virus disappears and we all reopen and go back to normal lives. So if there's anything you want us to talk about, um, anything in particular to doing stuff at home before you head out, um, things you can be doing now, 
let us know, but we'll keep producing awesome content for you guys to enjoy in this time of lockdown and into the future. That's enough from me, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. I will be talking to you in the future, and thanks for listening to the Social Fishing Podcast.